Kia ora. Welcome to episode 79 of the SWNZ podcast, the podcast for New Zealand Star Wars fans. My name is Matt. And my name is Christy. We're back after a bit of a break over the holiday season, and it was another interesting week for news from a galaxy far, far away, so let's jump in and talk Star Wars. First thing in the news roundup, I just want to acknowledge that we'll be doing a special episode next week due to the fact that February the 7th marks what is being called Star Wars Podcast Day. And this represents the 24th anniversary of Jedi Talk, the very first Star Wars-related podcast, which premiered back on February the 7th in 1999. We will talk more about that next week. Uh, Interesting news that we're going to unpack in our news roundup largely relates to upcoming series and movies and just sort of realigning ourselves with the uh, latest news and rumors and uh, bits of information that have come out. We're very excited about Mandalorian Season 3, which will be debuting on Disney Plus on March the 1st. We've had a new trailer for that recently. We've also learned about the directors for the eight episodes of Season 3, which includes Rick Famuyiwa, Rachel Morrison, Lee Isaac Chung, Carl Weathers, back after directing uh, Chapter 12, The Siege, in an earlier season, Peter Ramsey and Bryce Dallas Howard also returning. Rachel Morrison's previously worked on The Black Panther as a director of photography, while Peter Ramsey was one of the directors behind Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. We've got Lee Isaac Chung, who wrote and directed Minari and is scheduled to direct the sequel to Twister, so a fun lineup there of returning and new directors for Season 3 of Mando. Very much looking forward to that. Less than a month away now. Yes, on the official uh, YouTube channel, we saw that they just released today sort of a a sizzle reel, as it were, Mm. uh, sort of hyping up the the phenomenon. Um, It was the title of the video, sort of talking about the phenomenon of the Mandalorian and sort of the cultural impact of Baby Yoda, interspersed with some behind-the-scenes shots, fan reaction clips and cosplay, and, of course, little bits and pieces from the new uh, trailers, just sort of really reminding everyone that this is very, very close to happening, and uh, just to get sort of excited uh not nothing too new uh i don't think there was any shots that were different from the trailer but just sort of a reminder to fans that this is uh on, on our doorstep we're not too far away yeah, from a matter of weeks yeah to, to seeing and, that all yeah and the mandalorian i mean there's some really cool imagery in that trailer stuff that really gets everyone excited but you know of course the mandalorian's got a special place in everyone's hearts by now because it was the series that started off the the live action phenomenon <laughs> with that episode and the and the baby Yoda now known as Grogu reveal and, and such like. So yeah, it's it's very much the uh the comfort zone for, for fans of the live action material. Yeah, the the little sort of sizzle reel included clips of George Lucas holding the Grogu puppet and uh Mark Hamill on set with it and stuff like that. So it's it's sort of really fun. And um it's yeah. Not, not that it was anything new, um, but just one of those things, just sort of being reminded and getting excited. Yep. All right. Something that I want to talk about and just sort of unpack is the um, upcoming movie release schedule. Uh, this has been, this has felt like it's been up in the air for quite a while and confusing in terms of things being announced, but not locked down and so forth. A motion pictures release schedule from Walt Disney Studios came to light uh, not too long ago and it has two slots for Star Wars movies over the next few years. So we can expect at this point, if this movie holds true and doesn't get changed further, a movie to come out, a Star Wars movie to come out on the 19th of December US time in 2025. No title yet or confirmation which one that will be. And then also in 2027, so two years apart. 
Which movies will they be? Well, we've got a few clues, but nothing definitive. Let's talk just a little bit about what is on, what is in the pipeline in terms of upcoming movies, though. First thing is that a lot's changed since some of the early conversations about movies uh, came about over the last few years. The Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron movie has been on and off in terms of um, the information that we've had available to us. In December of 2022, she did confirm that Rogue Squadron is still in development. I'll repeat that. We can we still may be seeing a Rogue Squadron movie. She specifically said in a tweet that she did not want to delay Wonder Woman 3 any further and that potentially put her Star Wars movie on hold. But Lucasfilm asked her to consider coming back to Rogue Squadron after Wonder Woman 3, which she says she is honored to do so. So she agreed. They struck a new deal, a specific new contract with her. In fact, she's still on it. And that project has been in active development ever since. We will, of course, not know if it will definitively happen until the development process is complete. But the fact that there is a new you know, legal contract, a new relationship supporting the Rogue Squadron movie um, in existence uh, gives us hope that, that that interesting sort of setting for a Star Wars movie may yet come to light. I think especially after the success of Andor, mm-hmm. the fan reaction to that, I think Lucasfilm is very keen to sort of uh, tap into storytelling that sort of branches or sort of uh, connects to Rogue One, you know, and Cassian doesn't need to be specifically in that, but just sort of in around that sort of that world of sort of the rebel pilots and, and those are those are early days of the rebellion in that same time period as Andor. So this is exciting news to me. Glad to know that this isn't just sort of in as they say development hell it's just sort of Mm. shelved and they don't know where it's going to go the fact that there has been sort of like a new agreement a new deal made means that Lucasfilm doesn't want to see this one just sort of uh, get left on the bookshelf gathering dust they want to make sure that it's actively being worked on yeah and I think it's I think it's very significant that it's a live conversation that's still being had and we'll put a link to Patty Jenkins uh, Twitter status uh, down below so that is unlikely to take the 2025 or probably not even going to take the 2027 slot at this point. What we do is a couple of other names that have been associated with upcoming potential upcoming movies. So, of course, Bisman Bulletin reports that Damon Lindelof's Star Wars movie is rumored to begin filming in April of this year. And there's a good chance that that will be the one that takes the December 2025 slot. Lindelof is, of course, the writer behind the critically acclaimed television series The Leftovers and also The Watchmen, as well as films including Prometheus and Tomorrowland. Uh, so, yeah, it's very interesting and exciting to hear someone with that sort of background being associated with uh, Star Wars movies at this point and something solid, possibly imminent in terms of actual production and filming taking place this year, which fits with that December 2025 release timeline. Sean Levy of Stranger Things and recently Free Guy fame has also been confirmed to be directing an upcoming Star Wars film earlier this year. Now we're big fans of Stranger Things and Sean Levy's obviously strongly, strongly involved with that. In an interview with Sci-Fi Wire, he says, We're in pretty early development still, but my goal is to make a Star Wars movie that is like a lot of my movies, which is a visual spectacle with a healthy dose of wish fulfillment, levity and big heart. It's believed that his film is likely to be in the post-Rise of Skywalker era, just in terms of pulling together threads of information that have come out from um, other Star Wars conversations. Um, But yes, so just speculating here, it's quite possible that that might be the film that takes the 2027 slot. Yeah, as these ones are sort of uh, rumoured to be, uh, you know, begin filming in the next few months, 
I guess we'll be sort of keeping an ear to the ground on the different sort of spy cam websites, the ones that get sort of the drone shots, the long lens photos from miles away, uh, to get glimpses of, you know, characters on set or filming locations and stuff like that. I do wish that, that we lived in an era like around episode two and three where Lucasfilm was a bit more open with sort of the, the production without giving away spoilers. You can give these sort of, I love that, um, sort of before the helmet or behind the helmet, a series where they would give you a photo from the production with no context. And you didn't know if it was like some background extra that's just going to be completely out of focus or somebody that's going to have lines of dialogue. And it was just sort of up to you to sort of have an interest. It was a way of sort of giving people something without actually you know spoiling it you know it was like just random shots of a trailer and it at least we know that in the in the sort of digital era that there will be you know these little snippets of leaked info out there I know that's not the favored way to kind of get updates for these things but at least it does know that you know stuff does actually start to be filmed and you know that that means you know we're going to yeah, see well, something eventually the, the, the trilogy formula always gave always gave us some certainty <laughs> yeah, in production yeah. timelines and um, with so many people involved with so many different projects and uh uh, I mean, yeah, things have been a little bit complicated at Disney um, in terms of, and we talked about this in one of our personal Villa Barakino live streams, that things have been a little bit up in the air in terms of money that's been going into motion picture development. Mm. Uh, uh, that We may see some changes in because there's been a change in the CEO of, of Disney overall uh, with a slightly different focus. I think particularly, I know Disney's got a few branches of movie production houses these days with like Marvel and animation and Pixar and that, but I think Star Wars especially seem to get hit hard with uncertainty and muddling, particularly when uh, the pandemic happened and there was a big shift between away from theatrical releases to uh, things that they could put on Disney Plus because mm-hmm. Disney Plus was their big sort of saving grace with the parks closed, cinemas closed, so they put all this focus. So it meant that the, the sort of the stable slate of upcoming movies was shambles all over the place. And I feel like it would... I don't know. As a fan, I would love to see Disney give us a little bit more uh, sort of something to put concrete faith in again and give us a little bit more sort of tangible evidence that they are moving forward because we've kind of had whiplash of the different movies that, that have been announced and then, oh no, this is shelved. You know, we had a Lando series. Oh, we're waiting for um, Donald, you know, Donald, Glover, Donald yeah. Glover to sort of get on board. Oh, Tyker's doing something. Oh, he's got to work a few things out first. And I, I kind of wish that they would give us slightly more sort of regular updates you know this is happening here's a little bit of behind the scenes here's some people that are working on it or at least just kind of keep everything completely quiet if nothing is being um you know it's just sort of especially for us fans that want to keep up to date with all the information it's 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 Hard to get excited when things are just all over the place. I'm hoping well, now that we're sort of moving out of the pandemic era, I know it is still affecting, you know, a lot of people around the world, but I feel like in terms of movie making, things are becoming a little bit more back to normal as they were. So I'm hoping we get a little bit more uh, stability in what's actually being greenlit, uh, going into production and then being released. And especially with Celebration coming up, we may get some more very concrete information well, coming out. Well, I think out. we've got to. I mean, just talking about, I mean, just in the last few days, 
We saw the announcements from DC and James Gunn about uh, how they're going to be start start formulating their movies to compete a little bit more with Marvel. And uh, yeah, I can I can understand why there's been emphasis put on Disney Plus in terms of Star Wars media, but um, we need to put a bit of a bit of a bit more of a cohesive plan around the movies as well. Otherwise, yeah, the DC's finally woken up to the fact that the Marvel Cinematic Universe worked in terms of formula, and they're trying to do the same thing. Star Wars needs some sort of structure around it. Doesn't need to mean everything exists in the same exact timelines or chronology, but some sort of production plan would be useful. Especially when you think about the comic book, most comic books kind of take place in a contemporary era, or at least over the span of sort of 40, 50 years, the kind of era that modern comic books have existed and been published. So we kind of have a, a much more condensed period of time. If you think about the Star Wars sort of uh, era, you can go all the way from Old Republic thousands of years ago all the way through to Rey and the First Order. That's a huge sort of span. And especially as they're trying to get a newer generation of fans to understand Star Wars, get hyped into it with like, you know, the, the number of people that discovered Star Wars from Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian must be huge. And it's going to be confusing if they hear stuff and then that's not right. And then all this, I feel like I did appreciate, um, you know, DC sort of comics, finally getting on board with kind of creating a bit of a structure to help lay out here's our movies and the TV shows, they're getting everything sort of cohesive so fans can understand how everything fits together. And I think that Marvel does it so well, it would be great if we could see a little bit more of that structure in the Star Wars sort of realm. So we can know, we can see very, very clearly, we get a little bit of that just sort of text printed timelines in the front of novels. But if you don't read a lot of the Star Wars novels, you're not really getting that reminder of here's where everything lines up you know we've got family members that still you know it's it's not always exactly clear where everything fits in a timeline if you live and breathe star wars it's obvious to us but from people on the outset that haven't watched all the movies oh yeah um, and all the the animation the thing we need to remember is that you know for us uh, talking and for, for you the audience we're all fairly familiar with how bits and pieces fit together but we are in reality a very small part of disney's uh target audience um for both disney plus and for theatrical releases they do need to bring on a new audience they do need to make money at the box office just from the general viewers and you know perhaps andor suffered a little bit from people just not really understanding where it fit into the into the picture so i i i do like this notion i do like the idea and i wish they sort of implemented a really being overt about where things fit into the chronology and timeline uh you know has, has been a bit of an intro for any any new material coming out that's that's at the time of the actual release but also just when they're being discussed about in terms of their development especially if we're going to move into a realm where we're seeing much more media from the high republic era which has solidly been the domain of books and comics and we know you know a lot of fans out there really can consume every piece of star wars content but a lot just just don't have the time to be watching and reading everything so i feel like they're going to have to really spell it out for a lot of people to go okay this is what's happening here this is where it fits in with the movies and the, here are these news people that you may not be familiar with because we haven't read all the books ourselves. We've got a lot of content that we try to keep up, but it's really hard unless you are a, just an absolute solid sort of book reader. The average busy working adult doesn't have the time to read through quite as many of the books, especially if you also enjoy video games and the animation. There's just so much Star Wars content to consume that even, even you know, pretty hardcore fans uh, will struggle to keep up with it all. 
And so just to wrap up that conversation, um, as well as those films that sound like, based on what the actual directors uh, have said in recent times, those are the ones that sound like they're the most solid. But we do also have a Kevin Feige Star Wars film in the mix. Ryan Johnson's you know, fairly recently talked about still potentially coming through with his material. And of course, Taika Waititi. He seemed pretty solid earlier on, but we know he's super, super busy. Um, he's currently... Um, as I understand it, got a total of seven projects on the fly. Star Wars is included in that count. Uh, most of which he's actually doing in New Zealand. Um, he wants to bring them to New Zealand. He wants to uh, work and reside in New Zealand. So if, if he follows through on the Star Wars material, that will be a crazy exciting time for us. But that's potentially quite a bit down the pipeline um, from his point of view, but also Lucasfilm's point of view. So we'll keep talking about Taika and, and his involvement and where he's at and what that might mean for his involvement in the Star Wars universe um, as we go along. But I'm, I'm, I'm not holding out hope that we'll see his movie taking a 2025 or 2027 slot just at this point based on the information we have on hand. No, in the world of filmmaking, 2027 is only four years yep. away. Generally, you've got to be like, I don't know, they've got to have like concept to heart and casting agreements being put into place because generally these things take, you know, three years to sort of, I mean, back in the old prequel era, it was three years between films. You had to get, you know, the actual acting on set stuff. You had to build all the sets, the props, the costumes, and then you've got the extensive CG work. And I know the volume and the modern era kind of condenses a little bit of that post-production time but not for not for theatrical movies I don't know to what extent they'll use it in a theatrical movie they'll be no. relying on other techniques that give you that um the scope that just the wide scope for a movie yeah so i think we'd still be looking at sort of the standard ilm production sh- uh, schedule for sort of special effects and things so i think you'd have to be pretty close to to rolling camera um, so I think some of those other rumored ones that might be filming this year are much more likely to be those ones. Yeah, but I still really want Taika to be involved. He's not the sole writer for this series, so um, it's hard to know exactly what flavor it will have. But you know, he's a he's a he's a good director. I've I've seen him direct. I've been directed by him on set in local productions, and he is surprisingly professional. When he is when he is on the job, surprisingly professional. We've seen him in plenty of interviews where he is very much very much a comedian and a joker. But um, when he's on the job, surprisingly professional, but also very collaborative. I've really been really impressed by the extent to which he collaborates with his um, his, his DOP and uh, assistant directors and so forth. Um, so yeah, I really still want to see Taika's work come to fruition. So dialing back from discussing movies to discussing upcoming Disney Plus streaming series, uh, we talked about the Mando Season 3 starting next month. For 2023, we're also looking at Star Wars Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew, and The Acolyte, and a couple of others that we'll get to. Bisbon Bulletin has reported back in December that Mary Elizabeth Winstead will be playing Harrison Dula in Star Wars Ahsoka. Now we pretty much speculated that. That seemed um, like a... A good match for as a character for her, so that will be fun to see. Ahsoka series is set to debut on Disney Plus sometime in 2023, date not yet confirmed, but filming has apparently concluded last month. It's been filmed in California. Looking forward to that one. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is, of course, Ewan McGregor's wife. Yep. They worked together in the Birds of Prey movie, so I'm very excited to see him sort of bringing a family member in. I love that 
I love seeing actors that are able to work on not necessarily the same series, but sort of in the same realm, the same genre together. They can go to conventions together and things like that. So perhaps this bodes well for, you know, a continued involvement of Ewan McGregor in the Star Wars fandom because his wife will be a part of that as well. Um, I would love to see Ewan McGregor continue to make appearances at conventions and celebration and things like that. You know, we've been far too long without some of these really sort of legacy because he is a legacy uh, actor now going back all the way back to Phantom Menace and of course his more recent work I think that this is really fun I'm I'm a fan of her work and I'm just excited by the news that not only you know can sort of almost confirmation that that you know Hera will be played mm-hmm. by her that's just exciting news We've also got Skeleton Crew live action series with Jude Law coming probably quite a bit later in the year. This was confirmed to have finished filming a a few weeks back and that information came via a social media post from someone on the second unit slash stunt crew. So uh, that one is in the can and in post-production presumably for a late 2023 release. The Acolyte series, the mystery thriller that has been described as taking viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era, wherein a former Padawan reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes, but the forces they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated. Now, StarWars.com, a few weeks back, I think it might have even been December, released the first behind-the-scenes image from the series, confirming, you know, the state of development for this. You can see that on StarWars.com, and they also, in that same post, announced the main cast. That included the previously announced Amanda Stenberg and Emmy Award Award winner Lee Zhang Jae from The Squid Game. Also joining that crew, uh, Manny Jacinto from Nine Perfect Strangers, Daphne Keen from His Dark Materials, Jodie Turner-Smith from Queen and Slim, Rebecca Henderson, Charlie Bennett, Dean Charles Chapman, and interestingly, Carrie Ann Moss from The Matrix. Very cool addition there. Targeting a slightly different audience, also in 2023, we're expecting to see the series Young Jedi Adventures. This is also set during the High Republic era. Star Wars Young Jedi Adventures follows younglings as they study the ways of the Force and learn valuable skills needed to become Jedi. Compassion, self-discipline, teamwork, patience and friendship will be the first full-length animated series created for preschoolers. Yeah, this is interesting. We know that there is a, whether for better or for worse, a high demand for animated shows for young children. There always has been, you know, going back um, to the things like the Muppets and stuff, there's always going to be, you know, a need for little kids <laughs> and just uh, some time out watching some sort of wholesome TV shows and things like that. But in the recent era, Star Wars stuff for preschoolers has generally been these 60 second yeah, shorts on YouTube maximum. and they don't even sort of batch them all together so that the kid can sort of watch them for 20 minutes. You know, it just seems a bit clumsy. Um, so I'm kind of in, uh, happy to see that they're actually kind of making some longer ones, you know, teaching values like good old Sesame Street and stuff like that, but set within sort of a Star Wars lore, which I think is quite neat. Obviously, this won't be everyone's cup of tea. You know, some people are just out there to watch all the animation, you know, good or bad or, you know, for the, you know, I thought some of the animal ones on YouTube were quite cute. The Forces of Destiny ones were slightly longer. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm really keen to see how this stacks up compared to those. I will definitely check it out, even though it's not been on the target audience. Uh, yeah. Interesting that they're choosing the High Republic era, but I guess it makes sense. Jedi and the Force is a pretty easy sell in terms of Star Wars iconography and, and general vibe. But I wonder to what extent it may tie into other uh, High Republic era material. Mm, could yes. be interesting. It could be an interesting gateway into that for a lot of people. It might be a it might represent a bit more of a focus that um, that they're pushing towards, perhaps. We've also got uh, Volume Two of Star Wars Visions coming out in 2023, and this is going to take a slightly different tack than the first volume. It will feature stories from creative teams from Chile, France, Japan, India, Ireland, Spain, South Africa, South Korea, and the UK and the US to showcase the incredible animation happening across each country and culture via the mythos of Star Wars. Very much enjoyed Volume 1 of Star Wars Visions, and this one's going to have you know quite a bit of different flavor and a different range. Interesting to see where they go with that. It's a really sort of win-win situation for these uh, smaller animation companies. We know that for many years now, the Oscars have had sort of a short film animation category. So we know that there are just scores of smaller independent animation studios all over the world, not just Disney. Um, and it's fun to see Disney kind of giving a little bit of a platform to these other uh, animation studios. We know there are some very, very big ones in Asia. So it's really interesting to see them not just going back to other Asian ones as in the first volume, but this time sort of spreading it around. So we get different sort of flavors. Every different sort of culture has different sort of mythologies and, and sort of storytelling. So I think it's really interesting and I'm really looking forward to checking out volume two. And I think it's fun because this means that Lucasfilm basically just goes, make us some stuff while we go off and do this. So the indie people get to, you know, play around in the Star Wars sandbox, get a great platform and exposure and get to showcase their unique storytelling. And we get more Star Wars stories while the main Disney animation teams are working on the likes of Bad Batch and this is just really cool news. Unfortunately, I wish we had a more of a solid release date for this rather mm, than just yeah. this year. Not, not much of the 2023 stuff is locked in mm. um, beyond even the quarter that it might might uh, be presented. Uh, Mando Season 3 is the only thing with a firm date, and that's that's weeks away. Everything else is up in the air. And whether, yeah. whether that's because it's not quite finished or because they're waiting to see what they might be competing against in terms of uh, getting Disney Plus subscriber numbers on board or, or whatever, we'll have to wait and see. We saw that a little bit last year as well when people were thinking, oh, Bad Batch was going to be towards the middle of the year and then the sort of the, you know, the dates and announcements changed a little bit. Um, so I think they're just maybe just not leaking any dates because they don't want people to get their hopes up and then going, actually, we're going to shuffle things around because they think this will work for a better release date. So very excited at some point this year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So let's catch up on everything we're expecting to see in 2023, but let's not forget that we've got exciting things coming this following year, 2024. Season 2 of Andor began filming in November in London of last year, of November of last year. Tony Gilroy's spoken on this a number of times. He's revealed that, and we knew this um, and have talked about it a couple of times in the past, but just reiterating, he revealed that Season 2 won't open with a continuation of Cassian and Luthen's conversation aboard the Hallcraft. Instead, we're facing our very first major time jump. Tony Gilroy explains it'll be a year later after what you just saw. A great deal has happened in the interim. He also assured us that K2SO is, he says, one of the responsibilities of the second half of Andor. Um, so yeah, we know that Andor's only going to be two seasons long at this point. 
um, but very much looking forward to seeing where they go and how they tell the story, bridging the gap from what we've seen into into Rogue One over the sp- over the span of um, one additional season. Yes, yeah, a shame that at the very least we've got a year to wait, but I am very, very excited knowing that they are assuring fans that K2SO is going to be, you know, involved in the second season. I'm very excited for that. I think a time jump is, is relevant here. You know, some, we've, we've got the setup. We don't need to continue on. I think where they left that was really quite artistic. We kind of knew what was, what was sort of happening there. Um, and I think we'll up. see. It, it, We'll see Andor sort of at the height of his sort of involvement in the rebellion. You know, he's gotten through a little bit of that awkward phase. Um, and I think we'll see him a little bit more involved because somehow he's got to be sort of up to sort of leadership high level in the rebellion by the time we meet him in Rogue One. So I feel like it would just take too long or just be sort of too fantastical that somehow he would be an outsider who's suddenly very high ranking yeah, in too I short of a time. I think it's a fun time. way to tell the story. I think the two seasons are obviously obviously serve two very different purposes, but it will it'll almost be like the time jumps between ESB and Return of the Jedi where, mm, we, see, yes. where we see Luke and, and Leia on board the sort of rebel rebel fleet and then all of a sudden you know they've done all the planning to rescue Han and there's a lot that's yes. taking place so I, I, I think that kind of matches that that type of storytelling yeah very much looking forward to that and one other piece of information to throw into the mix production weekly has revealed implied that a new show with the code name ghost track 17 is in the works from filoni and favreau Um, no additional detail for that but that new code name kind of implies it might be something on top of the Mandoverse that we're already familiar with um, may be part of that or maybe something completely different not clear if it's animated or live action but we'll keep our eyes and ears peeled for any additional information um, on the Filoni Favreau collab uh, codenamed Ghost Track at this point. All right let's talk product announcements and move into some local store reports. There's been a couple of reveals just a couple of sets of interesting reveals just today in fact Funko gave us a whole whole array of, in particular, Return of the Jedi, celebrating the 40th anniversary uh, character releases. And these are actually up for pre-order locally in New Zealand already. We'll put a link uh, for the Mighty Ape, um, but all retailers of um, Funko in New Zealand should have these very shortly if they haven't already. Some really cool characters in there, some ones that we're very much looking forward to personally for our very growing, very much growing uh, Funko collection. We've got a Return of the Jedi Emperor Palpatine in his throne we've got a hologram luke that glows in the dark we've got a standard luke jedi as seen in jabba's palace we've got a couple of movie moments these are the sort of bigger based deluxe versions of funko pops but in the same scale we've got jabba with salacious crumb and luke versus darth vader on the uh, second death star during the climactic moments of uh, return of the jedi we've got a max rebo in his organ as a standard release pop a vinyl figure which is quite cool wicked the ewok indoor leia in her poncho c-3po in his um, wooden ewok chair an unmasked sebastian shaw version of darth vader as seen um after his battle with luke skywalker on the death star an ewok with a set of helmet drums and this new builder scene series which i think is quite a lot better than some of the ones we've seen uh, for a number of different reasons as much as we like some of the other ones we've talked about the pricing for them in the past this one is based on the Salak skiff 
And so far, we're going to be uh, the first releases are going to be Luke Skywalker and Chewbacca, um, and eventually we're going to have Boba Fett and a number of the um, Skiff guards. That one actually builds the bases, build together to create a sort of elongated version of of the Skiff. I think it looks it looks quite good compared to some of the pretty standard two dimensional backdrops we've seen in some of these builder scene series. Yeah, I thought the um, original sort of concept for the Bounty Hunter set, where they each came with sort of a bit of wall and floor, so they all connected together to sort of make the sort of Imperial Bridge scene, but it is essentially just flat grey plastic. Mm. It's not very exciting. This one does actually look cooler. It's not It's not a huge vehicle. It's not perhaps as quite as 3D as, as what you would imagine in your mind's eye, um, but I think it does look good. It is a little bit more of an interesting concept to have sort of connected bases to kind of create a scene and a vehicle all in one. Um, I'm hoping the price point's not going to be quite as wild as some of the yeah, Bounty Hunter I, I ones, think it will be. but it's probably going to be floating around that $70 price point. Yeah, 65 ish yeah. But the Bounty Hunter ones did eventually come down in price, perhaps not standard pot pricing, but a little bit closer. Um, quite a few of them ended up about half price mm-hmm. or thereabouts from local retailers. So if you can't quite stump up the uh, sort of uh, inflated cost for this series, do just sort of bide your time and you'll probably be able to build it for about half the price. So a very uh, neat take on releasing some of these sort of older uh, characters because some of the characters here have been done years and years ago back when, you know, the Funko Star Wars line was a little bit differently packaged. You know, all the eyes were round. The features were a little bit more um, sort of stylized because there has been a boosh in the past. Mm -hmm. um, Well, actually, I didn't actually mention that one, but just rounding out that lineup where Mm. Princess Lara's Yes, I'm very excited to see that they are revisiting Bouche Leia in the sort of the, the modern era, which has much better detail. The packaging's really fun. Um, so very excited to see that there are two layers in there, but some really fun ones that I oh, think Max just about Rebo's everyone really, will like. Really fun. Yeah, yeah, I think that'll be cool. I quite like the the it's a new a new Ewok um, playing the helmet drum, so not a um I think he's a, a dark grey um fur, so he's quite cool. But yeah, definitely keen on Max Rebo. Even that um, unmasked version of Darth Vader looks looks pretty fun. He's actually lying on the ground, and and uh, the weird version of Luke that can sort of interact with him, I presume. It's a little bit unfortunate. Um, we're finally starting to see a little bit of sort of the sort of the Clone Wars era. We see Hasbro focusing a little bit on that sort of twentieth anniversary of sort of the Clone Wars era. You know, from uh, Attack of the Clones in two thousand and two, it's been you know twenty years since then. We didn't really get much in the in the way of Attack of the Clones product from. Funko, they kind of glossed over that yeah, anniversary, which is a little bit of a shame. I was kind of hoping to see a little bit. <laughs> you have to wait till the 40th. <laughs> we got like an Anakin, um, Attack of the Clones sort of era Anakin, and a while back we got well, a cons- Geonosius Padme. That, that but- entire list that I just read out is Return of the Jedi, and yeah. we're shortly going to talk about Hasbro, the ent- almost entire list, almost entire list of Return of the Jedi as well, which yeah. of course... You know, we know that's a moneymaker for them, but these are characters and sort of figures that we have had 
40 years of product, you know, these things have been done in action figures over and over and over and over. Uh, You know, there are quite a lot of Vader's and Luke's and, you know, even like, you know, Ewoks and things like that. I was kind of hoping to maybe get a little bit more product from the prequels, especially since the demand for prequel era merch has increased significantly in recent years. These people get nostalgic. People that were children in the uh, prequel era are now 20 year olds with money and income and they want to you know collect the things that they grew up with it seems like a little bit of a misstep that we didn't see as much perhaps they want to wait until we hit the 20th of of revenge of the sith and kind of have a a culmination of 20 years of Mm, the prequels maybe i'm not i'm not yeah too hopeful to be honest Uh, hot toys is the exception to the rule they've really gone to town with their attack of the clone lines and there's some really fun things in there uh, let's talk about Hasbro though, and, and there's a lot of Return of the Jedi in this as well, but some other other fun things that I think we'll find something to talk about. This all comes via a live stream that took place um, earlier today, New Zealand time. And uh, yeah, so we'll start with the vintage collection, so the 3.75 inch figures. We've got a Death Star 2 version of Darth Vader with a removable hand and a multi-piece helmet, so you can take his um, uh, helmet dome off and then his helmet um, face off. We've got a indoor bunker version of Han Solo. In terms of a skiff guards, we've got Wiki or Wikway, depending on how you want to say it. Admiral Peart, not from Return of the Jedi, obviously. We've got a Starkiller with um, components that can mean you can dress him up in, in a couple of different versions, as seen in the video game. Captain Hauser, a clone trooper with Fiber First Deco from the Bad Batch. A clone trooper multi-pack. Unfortunately, we haven't seen these locally, but uh, this is another one if you want to source it from overseas. Phase 2 clone troopers with a 212th Legion paint paint apps. And in the pipelines for the vintage collection, so not revealed as figures yet, but was something that we're very much looking forward to. A Book of Boba Fett version of Luke Skywalker. A two-pack from Obi-Wan Kenobi of Obi-Wan and battle damage to Darth Vader. That could be quite cool. A Mandalorian version of the speeder bike. Uh, there is still on, currently on pre-order, but recently revealed standard Return of the Jedi version of the speeder bike. So this will just be a recolor. And very, very interestingly, from the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian's N1 Naboo Starfighter in uh, TBC four-inch scale. Yeah, I'm glad to see actually a couple of vehicles from Hasbro. They yeah. generally have avoided a lot of vehicles. Price point's gone up a lot on those, but I think the yeah. Starfighter will be worth it. I'm kind of wishing that they had done a few beasts from the line. I think we'll be we'll <laughs> yeah. be grumpy about the lack of Hasbro Blurgs for quite some time. And I mean, Hasbro must have somewhere a sculpt of the Bantha that came out, you know, decades ago. They should have done a Boba Fett on Bantha because you would have thought that that would be, um, <laughs> you know, something cool or like a repack of a Rancor or something like that. But at least we're getting a couple of vehicles here, even if one is just a repaint. I'm very excited to see that in one Starfighter from the Mandalorian. Well, I'll just, I'll, yeah, that's an interesting point. I'll come back to that just in a second. Um, in the retro collection, confirmed upcoming in the prototype line will be the Mandalorian. Um, most recently was um, Snow Speeder version of Luke Skywalker. That's actually available locally in New Zealand, interestingly, at EB Games in particular, but I think Mighty Ape had it at one point. So yeah, Mandalorian, uh, there'll be multi, multiple different versions of that depending on um, the different sort of color mixes that you can get out of that. So those are the multicolored vintage style of figures to um, represent the old um, prototype production process where they just use whatever plastics they had on hand to test the machinery and the molds for the various figures. 
in the retro collection line um, we're still a couple of lines uh, a couple of ways behind these in New Zealand but uh, coming up will be a book of Boba Fett line of retro collection figures so this is in the vintage styling and some of these I'm very much looking forward to a nomad version of Boba Fett a Tuscan Raider in the style of the book of Boba Fett now I love the the actual vintage Tuscan Raider with its little vinyl cape he was very cool he was one of the first figures that held a weapon in a different way to the, the blasters everybody else held so I'm very much looking forward to seeing a book of Boba Fett vintage style uh, Tuscan Raider we'll also be getting in the retro collection Phoenix Shand, Kersantan, Cad Bane, Jedi Luke Skywalker, Grogu and a Book of Boba Fett version of The Mandalorian. We've also seen, we've already seen The Mandalorian in the retro collection style, so it'll be interesting to see him in the Book of the Book of Boba Fett version of him. Black Series, just a couple of figures and some roleplay things that we were super excited about, but in the Black Series figures, six inch figures, we've got a Re Revenge of the Jedi Darth Vader Star Wars Celebration Europe exclusive, so that'll be available at the upcoming Star Wars Celebration event in April. Uh, this is in the cardboard box style, so plastic-free packaging, but it does have a sort of removable faceplate with the um, Revenge of the Jedi poster art. Um, so you can sort of still see him in his packaging. This is a bit of an interesting mix, and I'm kind of on the fence with this one. So as you said, it doesn't really have a plastic window in it. It's sort of the plastic-free packaging. So instead of that, it's got a big sort of cardboard poster of sort of the classic Revenge of the Jedi uh, that kind of slips out of the front and reveals the action figure behind it. Now, there's no plastic in this, but celebration is a convention. Most people, most people, even people in London, will have to travel to this. The box looks huge. Mm-hmm. How many people are going to want to put a completely cardboard collectible that is designed to be kept pristine? Yeah, it's um, going to be tricky. It's going to be mangled if you try and put this thing in your suitcase. Yeah. Why on earth would they have done this as a convention exclusive? I don't know. It's, it it's, seems like a really odd choice. Everyone is going to have to FedEx this thing home with an enormous amount of bubble wrap because if you get a ding on this thing, it's going to look horrendous. It's a tricky one. It's kind of a nice idea re representing Revenge of the Jedi, which is, of course, as everyone knows, is what Return of the Jedi was named before um, it became Return of the Jedi. So it's based on the old Drew Struzan, um, very red, uh, sort of almost abstract background of Darth Vader art. I do think the paint app could have been done a lot better. Yeah. I think the starkness, like if I think as just a vague uh, uh, sort of uh, comparison here, is the comic art... Uh, Funko figures mm -hmm. where they have the strong colors and sort of stylized lines and you get that understanding you know and even some of the very old Hasbro ones where we kind of had like the firelight kind of reflected on sort of Mr. characters Fire and Lava. things like that yeah. yeah that was done well this Vader looks like somebody kind of sprayed paint at it from it a distance it's really translate odd as well as it could have um don't and want to be just, too down on it because no it, but it's just a bit odd if they yeah. had done it perhaps as a big two-pack of Vader right next to like a bluish toned Luke, I think it would make a lot of sense because it, those are the two characters from that poster. Um, they've got like a huge space down one side just for the lightsaber, which honestly, you're not really going to take this thing out of the box, or at least I don't think so because it's, it's sort of displayed like it's supposed to be kept boxed yeah um because it looks really bizarre when you take it out and you sort of pose it and the, the way that they were holding it up on the live stream just looked really odd out of I context mean, it's a, it's a pre-existing darth vader mm. action figure sculpt and it's a very nice version of it presumably the one that was used um for the recent obi-wan kenobi 
release, but yeah, it's got these red paint apps to try and represent the Drew Struzan art from the poster that was used for both Revenge of the Jedi and Return of the Jedi. And um, yeah, it's subtle. And, it doesn't and it look doesn't, like doesn't a tidy airbrushing. It's, I feel like, you know, there's all sorts of fan model painters that would have done a much a few, better job. Uh, there's been a few artistic colorings, recolorings mm. of figures. I'm going to talk about a couple and a very, and a couple more sentences down the line. But this one, yeah, maybe not quite as much. Uh, yeah. Making big cardboard packages that people have to cut from home from a convention has always been an odd thing for me. I know in previous conventions, there were some booths. I know Ashley Eckstein was doing autographed Funko Pops, and that's fine for Americans or, you know, people that don't have much to travel. But I knew that if I tried to put an unprotected Funko in my suitcase and try and get it home to New Zealand, that the packaging would just get mangled by luggage handlers. And the autograph is on the outer cardboard packaging. Now, it wasn't going to survive, and that was a shame because I really did want to add that one to my collection. At this one, it feels like, I don't know, that they should have done it as just some sort of like, I don't know, like Hasbro.com exclusive or something like that and choose something completely different for this. Or at least, or at least put it in like a, like the Funko protectors. Hasbro hasn't cottoned on to this. They, Hasbro could be making protectors for their black series or whatever, especially if they're going to go plastic free. There are some people that just want to protect their stuff and plastic is always going to be the way to go. Yeah, Not too many people rationale. want to play like the full acrylic, like archive levels for just every black series, but at least put some plastic packaging around it so people can well, get yeah. it home. The rationale for going plastic free is because it's based on the presumption that uh, the packaging is always discarded, but that's not It doesn't make not, sense not, for not an exclusive, a it's convention exclusive people want to keep it carded because it's worth so much more if it's intact this Vader makes absolutely no context there is no scene where he looks like that in the film it's stylized poster art so it doesn't make sense to take him out of the box yeah Uh, it just feels like a mess and sometimes you feel like you really miss the days where I don't know. It felt like Hasbro listened to the fans a little more. Yeah, well, it's it been feels some, like they don't do it's been polls some fun much. Well, yeah, <laughs> I don't, you can't please everybody. I'm not, I'm not convinced that polls are um, the, no, the absolute they, solution. They can be. They can be manipulated. I know, but I did notice that the video live stream for this release had the comments turned off. Now, that just says a lot to me. Uh, generally speaking, well, Hasbro, uh, videos will turn the comments off if they know that there's a lot of drama and Hasbro bashing has negative. become a little bit of a sport, and we don't yes. want to support that too much. Um, but it is a complicated situation because they are a corporation trying to trying to keep their shareholders happy, perhaps more than they want to keep their target audience happy. And yeah, Hasbro's undercome a, a lot of flack recently. For a number of different reasons, including um, how some of its sub brands like Wizards of the Coast handled a couple of their properties, um, and the fact that they're yes. laying off a few a few people here and there, or a few thousand people here and there. So yeah, Hasbro is very much a, a, a corporation, um, and it's hard to balance that need to make money and to um, give creative people on their development teams actual room to move and craft fun products that that, that audiences want, but you know, really that should be the solution. That should be the target is selling good product, not just making money for shareholders. Not to, you know, sort of draw comparisons between two companies, but I always feel like 
companies that rely so much, so heavily on adult collectors and a sort of a fan base to sell their product should have, I don't know, like a better ear to the ground, you know, a presence in the collecting community. It reminds me years ago when EA, uh, you know, obviously a very uh, divisive company had their game changers where they would sort of get players in and get their feedback, um, whether or not they implemented it to the fullest extent we don't really know but um it just feels like there are so many things that people would just absolutely throw their entire wallets at hasbro if they would make it and to see them cut corners on other things and it's like really if all if only you did was make this thing and i'd buy like eight of them you know to like army build there's a couple of of things that we're going to discuss that i think are real wins very shortly so let's just get onto onto those to um uh, push things in a bit more of a positive direction because mm, yeah, that, yes. these 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 things we're about to talk about, I reckon, are supreme wins um, compared to some of the um, sort of a bit more a bit more mundane hit or miss products that are coming out. Also in the Black Series, and, and there's some fun things in here. Indoor Rebel Trooper Kiari Mundi, I think, is quite a cool, complete head to toe new sculpt, and Phase Two Clone Commander Jesse, which looks pretty pretty tidy. Coming up in the pipeline, we've got Luke Skywalker and Grogu as a Book of Boba Fett series uh, set. And very, very fun from Star Wars The Old Republic, a deluxe six-inch scale Darth Malgus. I'm very interested to see how they do that. We have had a lot of Darth Malgus product over the years, over the 10 years of Star Wars The Old Republic, but not a six-inch scale one yet. Super excited to see something from Star Wars The Old Republic and Hasbro's lineup. Thought they might have, you know, completely glossed over uh, SWOTOR's 10th anniversary. Darth Malgus is, of course, you know, one of the most prominent, one of the most popular. He's a current sort of antagonist in the game, so it's very sort of fitting. I do wish that we saw perhaps a few other figures to go alongside him, you know, maybe a Satil Shan, maybe Valkorian, you know, some of these other sort of major, really sort of beloved characters from the game. Um, Because they've been doing a lot of, they've been doing a lot of basically uh, repaints from Battlefront 2 and Jedi Fallen Order. They've been doing like, oh, a few troopers and a few battle droids and yet a different color scheme. And that's fun. But I feel like there is a really you know hardcore fan base of SWOTOR players that just want to collect SWOTOR product well we're very strongly biased towards Star Wars The Old Republic but, but I think this one will be you know, yes. pretty sought after there's a pretty, yeah. still a pretty strong fan base and not a lot of merch to go with it. Even people that don't play the game will recognize Malgus um, and think he's a pretty cool Sith alongside, you know, some of those sort of classic ones like Darth Malak and Darth Nihilus. He's kind of up there. I think he's almost reached, almost kind of reached Darth Revan level in sort of the old Republic era and sort of notoriety. You know, it doesn't quite have it quite as much um, sort of books and, and paraphernalia around him, so I'm very excited to see him getting at least a bit of a nod in merchandising. All right. Um, yeah, so like I said, we're very biased towards that, but something that I think is going to be a, a major hit um, with pretty broad appeal in the Black Series, one-to-one scale, life-size helmets, which we're a big fan of. Very, very surprised to see a very nice-looking Biker Scout, aka Scout Trooper um, helmet coming out later this year. This thing, the proportions on it look really, really clean and tidy. Um, it wasn't just a render that we saw on screen. No, we saw it, one of the live streamers handling it. They put it on their head to show you how wearable it was. Yeah, it's fully I, padded a, and this lined. This is an absolute win. It's an original Trinity helmet that hasn't been done before. It's not just yet another repaint like we've been seeing with Stormtrooper helmets and Mandalorian helmets and um, X-Wing pilot helmets 
complete new sculpt, hot on the heels of the Phase 2 Clone Trooper helmet, which is really interesting because that, at the time that it was released was a um, one-off brand new sculpt as well, and we speculated that it would be the seed for a lot of um, new repaints. And in fact, in the pipeline in terms of Black Series uh, helmets, they've confirmed that there'll be a Phase 2 Clone Trooper Ahsoka Loyalist helmet coming out. Which so is really sort of the nice, orange paint yeah, um, really that nice, we see on the helmets. Which really is nice paint job to go on that, clone, on that Phase 2 Clone Trooper helmet. So that's a couple of uh, one-to-one scale Star Wars helmets uh, really just stoked to see. Yeah, I think even if you're not a fan of the Clone Trooper helmets, I think this, honestly, as a fan, as someone that would like to collect more Star Wars helmets, I'm very excited to see something as iconic as the Biker Scout helmet coming out in the Black Series. I know there was some drama uh, a few years ago with EFX and their Biker Scout helmet that took years to basically materialize. They claimed that they had all sorts of issues. And when fans did eventually get it in hand, it perhaps wasn't quite uh, living up to expectations and I think when you drastically slash the price point this is a fantastic way for people to get their hands on an iconic helmet sometimes so even if you're not a big Star Wars collector just having something iconic like a stormtrooper or a biker scout you know I hope to see a couple of the other ones I mean maybe we'll even see like a royal guard or something like that that would be guard. really quite fun yeah. to see them flesh out so you could just you know and also, the Black Series helmets are generally easy to find in New Zealand, which yep, is so also far. another big thing. We generally don't, we never saw some of the really expensive lines, you know, dating all the way back to Master Replicas. It always meant, you know, shipping these things from overseas, uh, expensive freight, tax, duty, all of that. But here in New Zealand, I don't think we've got too many helmets that tip past the $300 point, which is much more reasonable. And in fact, sometimes if you wait, some of the lesser or sort of overstocked items can come down to about half price. We have seen some helmets. I remember that Poe Dameron helmet came in um, on sale at just under $100 locally. Yeah, might as well share the Bo-Katan helmet's Currently, uh, well, last time we checked on sale at EB Games, so if that's something you've been looking at, check EB Games, your local yes. store, or either online. It tends to hover because she, that helmet's been on store shelves for a couple of weeks or months now. Oh, and yeah, It a tends while. to hover between 179 and 197 that's so a, about a, really a third, good price in New Zealand. about 30 to 40% off, which is fantastic because it's quite a unique helmet. It is. I'm well, really... it's not quite unique. It's, it's, <laughs> it, that sculpt hasn't been repainted yet. So. Yes. So I'm really hoping to see maybe a Sabine alongside. Mm-hmm. Um, because Sabine has quite a few different color variations of her helmet um, but it was really fun to see that and obviously I think a lot of people are really hoping to see like all the color variations of clone troopers I want to see a phase yeah, one clone trooper oh, you know with all the first. sort of captain oh, yeah, yeah, phase one, five definitely. of first trooper there are so many cool clone trooper think, helmets and starting uh, with and you got to wonder how many people are just going to buy like eight white ones and just go nuts doing their own color schemes yeah I'm surprised about the biker scout Mm, I guess they yeah. wanted to time it for the 40th anniversary, but it is a much more complex helmet and a complex yes. sculpt, I think, than the, the Phase 1 Clone Trooper, which I, I, I thought would be coming up at some point in the future. So I still think yeah. the Phase 1 we'll see sometime pretty soon. Because for, for people not – like, you see it in the movie. They sort of have to lift the faceplate up. So there is two sort of complex – 
components to the helmet that sort of have to moving swivel past. and sort of click together to, to form a complete helmet. Yeah. And we don't really see that a little bit with Darth Vader. Um, but this feels yeah. more complex in the way that it, because it's the join is visible. It's not hidden. Darth Vader's join is kind of under a dome. It's kind of more like just putting something they over the top that of it. With the Darth Vader a little bit by um, manipulating the scale of the dome. And, mm. and it's only, it's, um, it doesn't have any thickness. It doesn't yeah. have any um, return on the edge like the, um, like the, like the proper EFX uh, versions of the Darth Vader helmet. So, yeah, they cut a couple of corners on the Darth Vader helmet that made that, that multi-piece construction just a little bit more straightforward and, and got the scale to fit into the box and the rest of the line. Um, but, yeah, this Piker scale helmet, quite a complex sculpt with a lot of very, very fine detail. Some of the detailing on that helmet are made out of um, model kit set parts. The, the breather, the respirator bits down the front of the nose are, are made from... You know, kit bashing from um, yeah, model kit set parts. So very, very fine detail. I know uh, that these perhaps may not stand up to in intense scrutiny or direct comparison to some of the higher end replicas, but I don't think too many people in New Zealand can really get their hands on those higher end replicas. They were made in such small de- small numbers and hard to find in New Zealand. I think this is going to be great for New Zealand. I mean, we've got all sorts of bush, you know, just, just having like, you know, the trooper that's seen in the forest and stuff like that. You know, you just go and run around your backyard and <laughs> in the bush and pretend you're a a scout i think it's really cool and it's definitely one of my one of the most exciting things from this reveal honestly for me personally it's got to be the mandos n1 the darth malgus figure and the two helmets that's what i'm the most excited about and generally i've it's mostly one of the figures that really stands out but it's actually some of the other pieces yeah those are obvious wins and as i said i'm super looking forward to just weirdly the um book of boba fett retro collection tuscan raider just for the fun of it yeah yeah I'm sure that one's going to look pretty cute. And I want to see um, uh, Chris Anton in, like, the vintage form. I think that, that could be quite fun because he's very, very different physically to Chewbacca, and Chewbacca is kind of like this funny sort of little pencil shape in the vintage form. So it would be interesting to see how Chris Anton and his bulk will translate into a but vintage hopefully, style. Hopefully they'll fully um, just stick to that nostalgic weirdness of the um, yeah, yeah. slicked-down fur. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It'll be fun. Hey, so we talked about the fact that the uh, F- Funko new releases are already up for pre-order um, at local retailers, including Mighty Ape. There's a couple of other figures that I'll just mention that I'm personally quite looking forward to that have been revealed as pre-orders locally. A couple of repainted versions of TVC 3.75 inch Boba Fett figures are coming out in the well over the over the coming year. Both are based on comic art. The first one is based on Cam Kennedy's Death Lies and Treachery from Dark Horse, a oh, more than a decade ago now. And a second one based on the vintage Marvel uh, comic adaptation of The Empire Strikes Back, where they had bounty hunters on the cover. So very, very cool repaints of Boba Fett uh, action figures with uh, cool card art, card back art. These are bubble packed figures. That, will, that are available for pre-order and we'll put links for those down below but uh, keep an eye out on the usual retailers online retailers probably more so than um, the uh, department store retailers for those cool Boba Fett variant figures and we were excited to see the new wave of Lego Star Wars helmets be revealed in the last week or so they're available for pre-order now from the lego.com store the New Zealand version of that which will ship uh, nationwide of course Price at $129.99. Three new helmets. Commander Cody, Captain Rex, and Princess Leia as Boosh coming out on the 1st of March. I think Boosh is one of the best of the Star Wars Lego helmets I've seen to date, frankly. 
Yeah, it's really cool. I'm excited to see Clone Trooper helmets joining the lineup. I'm really quite enjoying the Lego helmet line. Obviously, we've got, you know, the Black Series helmets uh, from Hasbro, but I think Lego always just has a collectability. And one th fun thing about these helmets is you don't really need to be a Lego collector. They've got a nice little display stand. You can just have one on your bookshelf, choose your favorite character, collect the whole line of helmets. I think they look really cool. Some of them are a little bit, you know, blocky or perhaps didn't translate into Lego quite soft, as well. Soft cursed anyways work. Yeah, yeah. the, the X-Wing helmet, I think, was a little bit awkward because there isn't a face in there. There's no solid sort of front to it, so it's a bit hollow. But these three... Uh, obviously the Leia Boosh helmet, uh, that's definitely on my wish list. And I'm really torn about the Cody and the Rex. I think they look fantastic as well. Cody's you the know, first phase prequel one. era clone Co troopers. They well, always get me. For Cody, I think might be the first phase one clone trooper. And um, that actually looks quite good. We've had her. And mm. um, I actually can't remember if we've had any other phase twos or if I'm just thinking of the stormtroopers and tie pilots. Yeah. I don't think they've really touched much in the way of phase two version of Rex. Yeah. They've generally stuck to Imperials. Yeah. And then we got Boba Fett and, and Mando. Then we had the Luke helmet. And then we're getting these ones kind of left field. Yeah. Which is really quite fun. I think they're great. Yeah, no, that boost is a winner. So check those out. We'll put links below. Just um, eyeball them if you're interested. Okay, starting from our podcast next week, we will get back into our deep dives related to series that are screening on Disney+. Plus. Of course, we're talking about The Bad Batch at this point in time. Uh, but I'll just acknowledge that we've had a good few episodes of The Bad Batch at this point. So far, we've had a double episode opening a few weeks back, Spoilers of War and Ruins of War for 1 and 2. We saw a solitary clone, an episode called Faster, and then an episode called Entombed. Last night's episode was called Tribe. Very, very much loved it. I won't give away any spoilers. We will focus on talking about Tribe in particular in our podcast slot next week. So stay tuned for that. Just a reminder that next week, also middle of the week, we will be getting another double episode of Bad Batch episodes on February the 8th, New Zealand time, The Clone Conspiracy and Truth and Consequences. Again, not going into the spoilers, but they sound like they're going to be pretty meaty stories in terms of um, what we're seeing before and where we're going in terms of the, the uh, things that are more directly affecting the uh, the Bad Batch and its relationship to the Empire and possibly Crosshair and his role in, in that mix. Uh, but we'll talk about those um, after those episodes come out as well. But on the whole, loving Bad Batch, I've seen um, a, a lot of um, piecemeal episodes, but mm. um, some of them have been, some of them have been really fun, some really fun guests uh, thrown into the mix. Yeah, a little bit of slow progression through these. It's one of those ones where you feel like there are little bits and pieces sort of getting hidden in some of these sort of standalone episodes that are going to be important as we kind of, you know, get that ball rolling and start moving towards the big sort of main storyline here. As we see in the likes of Clone Wars Season 7, you know, we sort of had, you know, Ahsoka with the sisters on Coruscant and stuff like that before we really start to get to the sort of the meaty stuff at the end of this episode. Towards the end of the season. season so I yeah. feel like we're getting that a little bit. I'm really enjoying each individual episode, but I still get the feel that something big is, is still waiting in store. So I'm so excited about this double episode that's coming out next week. I feel like we're really going to get yeah. going. So we'll, we'll deep dive into those a little bit more next week. If you want to catch up on some of our conversations that we've been having about those episodes, we do. We do live stream them on, on our personal Twitch channel, which is Villa Barrakino, and we'll put a link to that below. You can join us straight after episodes and, and just in chat, via chat, um, have a bit of a conversation about episodes as we screen them, and they're archived 
on our Villa Veracino Twitch channel for a couple of weeks and then on our Villa Veracino YouTube channel for a longer football permanently. So we have talked about those, um, but we will also get back to talking about them on the SWNZ podcast as well. We find it really fun to just dive straight in and start talking about what we've just watched and kind of, you know, digest all the sort of details and, you know, not too heavy on the speculation. Obviously, each episode we're like, oh, I wonder where this thread will go if this is hinting at this. But we really do enjoy that. We generally start sort of on the hour. These episodes are running close to the 30 minute mm-hmm. mark. So yep. we generally start it's live nice, streaming. It's nice sort of, that they've been closer to 30 rather than mm, closer to 20, 20. Yeah. So very much looking forward to the double episode. Um, Hopefully we'll be able to fit in that so we can start streaming on the hour, might be a few minutes late after watching the double episode. But very much just really, really enjoying this. It was always going to be, is this going to sort of live up to the expectations after the Clone Wars Season 7 series, you know? But I am really, really enjoying Bad Batch. It's certainly, for me, resonating much more than Resistance did. And I'm just hoping that if it doesn't last for years and seasons, that they will have something just as fun in the same animation style waiting in the wings so that we're not left without sort of this kind of, it's a very different vibe to to live action, but it's one that I really appreciate. And I feel like it would leave a gap to not have a Star Wars animated show now that we've had such... A long-running continuous yeah, run, yeah. You know, going back to Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance, I feel like it would just sort of leave us all sort of flailing around yeah, no, they, should, they should stretch us out for a good few years until we know for certain that whatever replaces it is going to really appropriately fill the gap. Mm, yeah. All right. That's about it for today's installment, though. So I guess we are done doing talking. If you've got any thoughts on topics we discussed today, we're definitely keen to hear them. Leave a comment on our YouTube page or our website page for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you taking your time to listen to us share our passion for Star Wars. Stay tuned to our website, swnz.co.nz, for Star Wars news for New Zealanders, and another podcast episode next week and uh, every week thereafter. Don't forget, you can jump on over to either our Facebook group or the SWNZ message boards to discuss all the latest Star Wars news with other Kiwi fans. Kia ora, kia noho, homaru. Thank you for listening and stay safe. Turo Hawaiki, may the force be with you.